The following podcast contains coarse language and subject matter that people might find disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. The war inside your head is strong. It pulls you to the left and to the right, to the light and to the dark. You feel as though the ground beneath you will crumble and the air is too thick to fly. But the voices in your head keep calling and you're just not sure why. You scream to drown them out. You've tried so many times, but nothing you do invites the silence. And eventually, you must surrender. Welcome to the world beyond the veil. This is Geist. Susan is a messenger. She realized that she's able to relay messages from those that have passed on. And although modest about her skill, she's been able to ease broken hearts, fearful minds, and restless spirits. Well, I guess as, I, I can't even remember how long ago it was, but I was very young, and I always felt that there was there was always something around me. Um, and especially at night when it was really quiet, I would see shadows and they would walk past my door. They would, somebody would come to the bottom of my bed, that kind of thing. And, you know, when you're little, you don't really know what it is. You just kind of feel a little bit frightened in a way. Um, I was a proponent of Halloween. It's one of my favorite days. And I don't think there's been a Halloween that I haven't dressed up as a witch. So that's kind of ironic, I think. And uh, I know that when we used to go up to our cottage in the middle of the night, I would always, you know, you'd have to go to the washroom. I would not want to get out of bed. I would be absolutely terrified because I would hear or see things in the corner of my eye and that, you know, you never really knew quite what it was. It was almost like I could predict something. I would know that that something was happening and there would be some kind of message that somebody needed to have. And I never really, I always pushed it away because I didn't really want people to think that I was strange or crazy. Uh, and so I never really addressed any of that. She has often wondered if a near-death experience when she was young triggered it all. And near drowning when I was 13 and I don't know if that has anything to do with it or not but um, I was swimming by myself and it was a dog actually that almost drowned me it wasn't the dog because the dog was a terrible dog or it was just playing with me it didn't really uh, know that it was pushing me deeper and deeper I went down and I remember looking up and I could see a really bright light and I, I had this warm sensation come over me you know, and I could see this beautiful light. I felt warm, and it was in the middle of 
Lake Simcoe, which is very, very cold. All of a sudden, I felt like somebody pushed me right out of the water and over like somewhere shallower. And I started, you know, coughing and, and I was breathing. But I was absolutely terrified until I felt that warmth come over me. Um, but, I, you know, it wasn't my time, I guess. And I ended up getting out of the water. And, you know, I think I learned never to swim alone. I remember them, you know, everybody's always telling you never swim alone. Well, <laughs> it was probably smart. <laughs> so that after that, I started really seeing things a lot more. I started feeling a lot more. And I started, um, you know, there were some really crazy experiences that happened to me. Susan finds her messages are delivered to her in a specific way. So I often get visitations at night and I find that people will come to me because in the middle of the night you're relaxed, you're trying to sleep and that's when people try to give me a message. And it you know, I don't know when I'm going to get a message. I don't know who it's going to be about and often people will ask me well, do you see when I'm going to die? Do you see, did somebody, you know, did my mom come to you? Did this person come to you? I'm like, it's random. I don't, I can't, you know, I can't make it happen. It's not going to happen. It will just be, it's hard to say how these things connect. And often these things happen in two weeks. For two weeks, I, I get the stronger and more information and it, it just keeps, it keeps happening until I finally set, gave the message. And then this time around three and three thirty, I would always wake up, and there's always something that happens, whether it's something turns on, or I feel that somebody is touching me, uh, or something like that. It's there's always something that's happened, so I don't sleep very well. She did get some insight as to where her gift may have originated. But when my mom was really sick with cancer, I was around eighteen, and she she had terminal cancer. It was what I guess they would call stage four. Uh, she was very sick, and so I was sleeping in the bed with her downstairs, and I had never slept in that room before. But in this house, I remember sleeping in the bed with my mom, and about 11 o'clock at night, somebody come, like almost standing over me, and then the sheet was turned down. You know, it's not just it felt like the sheet turned down, it actually turned down. I was I was so scared because I thought somebody was standing there. They were going to yank me out of bed or something. And it wasn't. It wasn't that at all. It was just a very gentle um, and, and kind of nice little turn down the bed. So in the morning, I said to my mom, Mom, um, the weirdest thing happened to me. It was like somebody turned the bed down. The sheet turned down. And she said, oh, yeah, that's just the chambermaid. She comes around 11 o'clock every night. That was the first time when I was 18 that my mom ever said anything about, like, knowing about spirits. <laughs> Messages didn't always come in a delicate form. This The first time that I stayed over with my now husband, so I'm trying to sleep in his house, and all of a sudden I had this feeling that this shadow person was over top of me but it was very angry and I couldn't understand what was going on so I was really kind of fearful I was very afraid I've never slept in his house before so what I did was I woke him up 
turned all the lights on and I explained to him that you cannot go to sleep until I've fallen asleep first or otherwise I'm going home. I can't sleep here because you're going to call me crazy, but there's, there's something in your room that is not happy. <laughs> when we woke up, he was like, what was that about? And I said, I have a message for you from the man who used to own the house. And he said to me, well, there wasn't a man who owned the house. I bought them off of this couple. They had kids. And I said, no, no, must have been the guy before them. He doesn't like how you've staged your bedroom. And he said to me, what are you talking about? And I said, he doesn't like your bed against the window. He wants you to move the bed over here. And he wants to sit by the window, like he always did in the morning. And I said, I don't know if you've ever smelled toast or tea, but that's what he would have in the bedroom. He looked at me like I was crazy, but we, he, you know, good to his word, he moved the bed around. <laughs> and we, after that, I never had a problem. I never had anybody come to me again. That was what he wanted to say to me. It was just a crazy little message. He just didn't simply like the way he had the furniture. The kind of thing that often happens to me, um, well, I'll get a message and I just don't really understand it because I don't really know somebody or I don't, you know, I, I might not know somebody that they know and it doesn't make sense to me. Some messages are those of much needed closure. Messages of love. My son was playing hockey and we had like this phenomenal coach. He was a fabulous coach. I, I didn't uh, I didn't really know a lot about him other than, you know, he, he was married. He had a, a, a son and a daughter. Like I would go over, we'd all go over to his house. He'd have people over and there was always this nagging feeling that somebody was there with a message. And one, and I, I just didn't understand it because it was very strange to me. It was about a diary. She kept telling me when I would try to sleep at night that he, she, she needed me to tell him about this diary. And, um, and so I saw her bedroom. I saw where she had put the diary. And these are the visions that I'm getting when I'm going to sleep. It had all the, everything that he would need to know about, um, I guess, her death. And what was really sad was his daughter had committed suicide, which I would not have no, I had no knowledge of that. And he was telling me, he told me about his daughter's suicide. And I didn't know how to tell him that I do, now I understand what the message is. And so finally, when he was telling me, I said, you know, I have to tell you something. I have a message for you. And uh, I told him the message and he started crying and he said, how do you know about the diary? Nobody but her mom and I know about the diary. You know, I mean, she was a teenager. She had a lot of issues. Uh, she had a struggle with her mom. And that's really what it was about. It was about her mom. This diary was hidden. Um, and there's one of two places she would hide the diary. And she wanted me to, for him to get the diary so he could read it and then understand because he was very lost and very sad about his daughter. The mother had taken the diary and I said, well, it's because there was things in it about about the mom, in it, not in a good way. And probably she was having a very hard time processing that, right? He, she loved you and she really wants to let you know that. And that was the message that she had for you. Often when people commit suicide, we blame ourselves. We don't, you know, we should have seen the signs or all of that. And we really, you know, it's really not our fault. And I think that's really what she wanted to let him know. 
year later, I was teach I I was teaching at a college, and one of my students just chatting, and turns out she actually played in Mississauga, and she was around the same age that his daughter would be. So I said to her, "You don't happen to know?" And I gave her name. We started sobbing. She was very close to this girl. She told me about the mom and about the dad and the situation. But um, but it just kind of I guess verified sort of what was said to me through the spirit world. When these kinds of things happen, it's really nice to have that validation or the verification of it. And it's just it's one of those things that people have a hard time coming to grips with. And I, I was very happy to be able to give him some closure, some sense of you know happiness because he really thought it was him. Not all of the spirits that Susan encountered have messages. Some just want to be known. When she moved into a home with her family, those spirits took no time doing so. So my husband and I and our children, uh, he has two and I have two, we moved into the Kawartha house, I believe it was May of 2007. And the funny thing about that house was we had been driving by it a number of times, uh, looking at it and ch- just checking out the neighborhood and it was one of those places that I, I'm not really a fan of the style of the house but there was something about it that really attracted my attention and the Kawartha house we actually got a really great deal on it <laughs> or so I thought before we moved in when we were looking at it we didn't actually walk in the front door we came in through the backyard because the people who owned the house were still living they were still in the house and so they just wanted a few more minutes to collect themselves before they left so and it was beautiful when we were moving in the people who were moving out they were not in a good place and um, they were very late in getting all their furnishings out. So we were waiting till about, I think it was like eight o'clock or nine o'clock at night. And as my husband, and he never told me this until after, that the the teenage daughter who was uh, passing him as we were coming and they were going, she said, enjoy the ghosts. So when we went in, I never really noticed. There was no feeling. I didn't think that there was anything unusual about the house at all. It was it was lovely. It was nicely decorated. It needed a few maybe you know tweaks in from for me, uh, and so we loved it. Things started happening happening right away when we moved in. So it was not there was no grace period. It was just right away that things started happening. Well, lights flickered, and. Uh, Things would be, we would think something like keys would be moved or just little weird thing, little little toys or things like that. And, you know, this with four kids in the house, you don't really think anything of it. But when they're not always there and they're still happening, <laughs> you just kind of go, oh, that's kind of strange. These weird things turned into fear when entering the basement. It's um, the feeling. There's a feeling you get that it's kind of a heaviness that there's something there or somebody there and you feel somebody watching you or following you in the house. It, it was, uh, it's kind of unnerving, I think, even though I know that I've, I see things and I, I hear things and I get messages, it still, it still freaks me out, actually. 
so the presence in the basement, it was, uh, it was not a very, it wasn't very pleasant. It was very heavy, very angry. I was very, I felt very afraid of it. It was not of um, this earth, what I saw. It was a dark shadow. It was a dark shadow in the corner, the very far corner of the house. And I could feel red eyes. Now, did I see them? I'm not sure. It could have been in my mind, but I felt like red eyes were staring at me and it didn't feel uh, human. But it was a very uncomfortable feeling. It was, I guess it was the back corner where the furnace was and it was like a workshop. And so it was kind of dirty and desolate. There was also kind of like um, bars, wood bars across the window. So it made it even more ominous. So it was really dark and creepy. We, um, so we were in the house about a month and we were sitting in the family room watching TV and we were talking about ice cream, which I had just bought. So we had ice cream in the freezer, which was down in the basement. And I said to him, oh, why don't you go get us some ice cream? And he said, no, why don't you go get it? So we're going back and forth like that. At some point I looked at him because he was saying it in a weird way. And I said, oh, so you know about the downstairs basement and that creepy feeling in the back corner with the red eyes staring at you and he looked at me and he said oh yeah Susan had a psychic come in on multiple occasions to assist her with the happenings so that's basically how I dealt with it because I did have a psychic come and she tried to uh, to move the presence on so I remember going down there and I as I turned to walk away I could feel it right on my back and I said to her you know what I think you need to stop because I think that it's just better if we leave it alone and allow it to coexist with us and it was very much attached to the land found I guess solace in the corner of our creepy basement so they left it alone and the red eyes remained in the house contained in its creepy corner of the basement, unless someone wanted ice cream. Now they did try and renovate and brighten the area, but the feeling of the eyes never did leave. After being in the house for a while, things slowly began to reveal themselves. Having four kids would account for a lot of activity, but they weren't the only things that were active. I did feel that when I was in the kitchen or when I was upstairs, I would see things like shadows going out the front door. And I would always think, you know, maybe the kid went, the kids went out the front door or my husband went out the front door. And then I started realizing it wasn't them. It was something else. It was almost like there was people going through the house from the spirit world. You know, so I did a little recon on the area and what was what the area was about and who lived in the area and if anybody had died in the house and that kind of thing. And of course, there's a few neighbors who had been there forever and they're like, oh no, nobody ever died in your house. What I discovered, I should say, or unearthed, was that the land we were on was First Nations land, like most land is, right? And uh, there was probably a natural path where uh, where First Nations people, they were very, um, like, they would move from one location to another, depending on the season, depending on where the food was and that kind of thing. And when the settlers came, they started moving the um, First Nations people, like they started carving out areas for them to to, uh, live. 
when people were being colonized, when settlers were coming into Canada, they were bringing different diseases and that kind of thing, basically giving these diseases to the First Nations people. And of course, it really depleted the numbers just because of, of the, um, the illnesses that the First Nations people would get. You know, in covering that, it makes sense that there was, um, you know, there was probably a lot of uh, fear and sadness and, and a lot of, um, you know, things that were not really right. And and so that's really the land that we, we were living on. Our house, apparently when I brought a psychic in, she said, this, this is, there's people here who are from that time who have not crossed over, have not leaving. But one night, someone wandered from this well-traveled path. So one night when I was sleeping, uh, again, it was probably about three in the morning, I saw, you know, my, I thought what I saw, thought was my son in the doorway of our bedroom. Hayden, we thought, was at the front, like was at the doorway. And then I saw him walk across the foot, like towards the, you know, towards my side. And he walked over and I moved over to let him get in. And then he, there was no Hayden. My son wasn't there. And I thought, where did he go? I got up and I walked to his bedroom and he was sound asleep. Like there was no question that it wasn't him because he was sound asleep and he doesn't fall asleep that quickly. The next morning when I woke up and we were getting coffee, my husband asked me, he said, oh, what time did Hayden come into the bedroom last night to sleep with us? And and I said, <laughs> I looked at him and I said, uh, it wasn't Hayden. It's it was it's the other little boy who's in the house, <laughs> the one that's not of this world. And my husband looked at me and he went, "Oh." <laughs> I, and you know what? I think my son Hayden also saw him because he would hear footsteps coming into his room. He would ask me, well, I, "Mom, I thought you came into the room last night, but I didn't see you. Were you in my room?" And just things like that, it was, there was oftentimes we would see or feel the presence of a little boy and um, not often did you get a glimpse of him. But um, when I had the psychic come in, she actually talked to him and got him to go to the light. And so she said that whoever was in the basement was holding him back. The house had what I would describe as a portal. And so you never knew who was coming in or what you were going to get. A spirit portal is any person, place, or object that acts as a channel for unrelated spiritual beings to travel to and from this physical realm we know as Earth. Generally, it was just a feeling. You would feel like when you would go down into the basement, there was something, like there was some energy there. And it was... um, confirmed when I had the psychic she said there's a portal and she showed me where the portal was and she used her divining rods and they were going crazy and she said this is a very active portal. Divining or dowsing rods have been used for centuries by people that are trying to tap into energy emitted by certain objects and they're often used in paranormal investigations. And she couldn't close it she said you need some like you we need probably a group of women like people who can like psychics who can come in and form a circle and like close this down because she said it's just too powerful and uh and it's probably been here for a while so that's that's kind of you know it's nice when somebody can 
confirm that, you know, okay, it is a portal. Why did I think that? I don't know. I don't really know why I thought that it was, but when she, and I didn't tell her there's a portal, she said, you have a portal. Susan had further confirmation of this portal. My, uh, our stepdaughter, or my stepdaughter was staying with us. She was living with us for a couple months and we had uh, changed the downstairs family room into her bedroom. And uh, I thought she came home one night uh, with her friend because I could hear people like chit-chatting down in the kitchen. And that's basically where the portal was. But it didn't occur to me that maybe it was somebody coming through the portal because generally when somebody came through the portal, they, they just came through it. They would walk through it, not necessarily stop and have a conversation, right? And so I, I'm messaging her and asking her, are you downstairs? Did you come home? <laughs> and so finally she messaged me back and said, no, I'm not home. And I went, oh my God, because then I started realizing I'm hearing children and it's women with children and they're not speaking, they're speaking in a different language, which I would only, which I would say is probably First Nations only because I know lots of people who are indigenous. So it, that's exactly what it sounded like. And I realized they were walking through the house. They were just passing through. It would probably have been a normal thing that they would have come through this way. And uh, and so I felt a lot better because at first it was really kind of scary. I thought somebody was in the house. And then further validation. Uh, one of the things that happened was my um, husband's mom took very ill and so we brought her to our house and of course we uh, converted a different section of our downstairs for her to have a bedroom and she was staying with us um, for about I want to say two weeks let's call it two weeks and there were some really unusual things that were happening. Because of her mother-in-law's medical condition Susan bought a monitor so she could watch over. So my girlfriend said, get a camera, get one of those cameras that you can go to Costco and pick up and just put it inside and then you can watch it on your phone. And then one night, again, I don't really sleep a lot at night. It was about two in the morning and, you know, I'm up all night because I really don't think I slept for the whole five months that she was with us. And uh, so I've got the camera up situated so you can see down the hallway, you can see the living room, the dining room. So the whole main floor almost you can see with this camera. And uh, so I turn it on because I I can hear her walking around and I want to make sure she's okay. So I turn on the camera. This is the first time I've now turned on this camera at night. And all I can see is it looks like it's a rainstorm of orbs in my living room and dining room. So, and of course, it's also shining down towards where the um, portal is, right? Because it's capturing all that area. So all of a sudden, I see this white light. This is no piece of dust. It literally zooms past the camera. It does a 360. It turns around, and it comes right up to the camera, and it starts like nodding back and forth like it's looking at me, and it's acknowledging me, and I threw my phone. I went, oh, my God, it's con- this, whatever that is can see me. <laughs> it's like it, it scared me. I turned up the phone back on and went, oh my God. And it was crazy what I was watching. And dust doesn't go upside down and from floor to ceiling. I mean, it just, 
It looked like there was 50 to 100 orbs at any given time. And I have to tell you, it was kind of frightening because now I'm realizing there's a heck of a lot more activity in my house than I even realized. So now it's like, yeah, time to sell. <laughs> so the last uh, weekend that we were at the house in Kawartha, I was very relieved actually that we were moving out. Um, I have a friend who's a paranormal investigator and he actually came in to do an investigation in the house. Um, he, The things that he was capturing were so unbelievable and so he he was saying to me like there's some really unusual like heat signatures of people laying on my son's bed and sitting up and then disappearing he was asking questions they were they were saying things like um they said my son's name they even got that's the portal well Time to move on. And that's kind of how we ended our, our um, experience with that house. It's, it's just that connectivity and genetics that I guess, like, we have it in our, in our history and in, in our genes or whatever. And, um, and so often my relatives have told me that they also ha are a bit psychic as well. So, you know, I'm, I'm very sensitive to what's happening and, um, and often I can even feel what people are feeling. And I, I kind of say the right things at the right times for people. And, you know, it's, it, it's very important, I think, for us to be connected, especially now with COVID and how people have been so, you know, torn away from being connected and having a connectivity to somebody. So... And I was really happy to say that the house we moved into is so quiet, except today, and the light seems to be flickering, <laughs> probably because my mom's here. And that's the kind of experience that I get when I'm saying something or I'm doing something and somebody wants my attention. They will do something like uh, touch my hair or turn a light on or off. <laughs> well, I'm just sitting and watching it, so I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Throughout this interview, I watched the lights in the hallway turn on and off. That was a message for me. Someone was trying to get my attention for a very specific reason. And I believe they used Susan to get to me. So this is for you, Clarkson, wherever you are. Special thanks goes to Susan for sharing her story. If you have a sec, please subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you listen to your podcasts. It would mean a lot to us. Story submissions can be sent to hello.geist.podcast at gmail.com. Geist is written and directed by Daniel Matar. Original score and sounds by Bo Jensen. Episode mixed and mastered by Adam Esker. Geist logo is by Jake Carruthers. Follow us on all social media platforms at Geist underscore podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, sleep tight. <laughs>